Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Today we're going to be talking about Dan Clow's Ghost World, probably one of his highest profile stories. Before we get into that, I want to remind everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel. That helps our numbers and it'll help mitigate the kayfabe effect for you guys at home. If you subscribe, you'll be notified when a new video goes up. It'll give you the head start on trying to track down whatever book we're looking at, whether that's on eBay, Amazon, your local comic shop, wherever the case may be. But uh, subscribe and it'll give you a little leg up on the competition that's looking for these books that we are talking about. And also let the video play to the end. That helps the uh, YouTube algorithm recommend our video to other comics fans who may not be familiar with cartoonist kayfabe yet. But today we're going to be looking into this Dan Klaus classic. One of the first, uh, yeah, one of the first Dan Klaus comics that I tracked down once I started reading his work and getting into it. It was um, in the late 90s that I got turned on to this stuff. And Ghost World, I have a second printing here, Ed. 1998, July 1998. Uh, what, what, what's the, let's, uh, let's look at these printings <laughs> while we're at it to give a little bit of a time frame. But July 1998. And uh, second edition, second soft cover edition. Fifth soft cover edition, August 2001. Ah, okay. I see. A couple of years go by. So I, I'm, I'm glad to point that out because I think like several years ago, I saw that they were in their 20th printing. Yeah. Pointing out again, it's got to be Klaus' most popular book. I'm going to help you out real quick, Jimmy, because you're on the edits for this one. So I'm going to make I'm gonna make the YouTube thumbnail for you. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. I appreciate that. How about that? Yeah, it looks, looks, looks great to me. That's pretty sexy. It definitely is. <laughs> um, this is such a... Uh, th there's a lot to talk about here. So the first thing I'm going to say is, like, appreciate this original art at home. This yes. is the uh, the artist edition that Fantagraphics published of Klaus. These pages are huge. These are not 11 by 17 reproductions of original art. These are gigantic pages. And there's a nice selection of Ghost World. You see, like, the title pages... And this is a, an overlay to represent the ruby lift that yes. he uses for the second color in this book. And, and, and let's talk about that, man. Uh, this was not designed like with computer uh, sort of technology at the time. This blue was achieved by using this ruby, ruby lift stuff. And the way that this works is you can see the acetate here. The ruby lift is completely printed uh, and affixed to the acetate. So rather than like Zipatone where you cut out a little square off of the acetate and then kind of burnish it onto mm -hmm. your final art. You sort of tape down the entire piece of ruby lith and you peel up the ruby lith that you don't want to be there. So it's a it's a reductive process and he uses more ruby lith than what usually gets used whenever you would see that uh, applied to an illustration. Uh, it's it's very in, it was very inefficient where sometimes there might just be this much ruby lith, so you cut out a whole sheet of it, <laughs> wow. and there's you know two little spot illustrations, and that is used to, um, beyond the shadow of a doubt, provide to the color separators, the people at the print house, to make sure that they hit your exact marks. And one of the cool things that you could do is associate Pantone colors with that, man, and get the exact colors that you want. But beyond the shadow of a doubt, you make sure that this is what gets turned to color exactly. nothing else you don't have to rely on somebody there to start cutting other things out it's interesting you talk about the uh the method you know and how 
inefficient or labor intensive this method is for figuring out your color yeah i kind of feel like that's what klaus does like you can see it even on the pages without ruby lift just his attention to things like the hand lettering you know these little details like definitely uh i mean he cut that out right he, he cut that shit Cur out right, right. there Cur dude. cursive letters yeah script lettering um phenomenal and unbelievable how good it looks like yeah. that would be a bear to cut out yeah here's an, here's another one we probably can move the, the, the piece a little bit to kind of show show that off but the very final piece you know he he cuts that out and you can take a look and see where he has it in pencil so he has some so interesting some guideline for himself but uh, this is a master this is a master uh, mechanic uh, at the boards man a, ma a master of paste ups and mechanicals and uh, i i do think that his... i'm gonna flip through a couple pages keep talking ed but i just want to show off a couple of these uh some of the title lettering for I do, these chapters. I do think that he's, he studied uh, illustration at Pratt. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it was a, a fine arts program he was a part of. So it's almost like, put your education to use. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he had one of the greatest, uh, geez, you know what, man? Let me, let me go grab it real quick. <laughs> when he was at Pratt, uh, in interviews and stuff, he, he talked about like the only real class that, that he got the most out of was uh this like lettering course that he had uh that was spearheaded by this guy david gates who as dan klaus calls it like he's this guy has the same name as some guy in a goofball band from like the k-favors are putting it in the comments right this moment but i asked him like we when we were in paris uh, I was like, Dan, I always wanted to figure out, like, like what is the book that you said that he put together? Because Klaus would flippantly kind of, like, say stuff like, I should have just got the book rather than, like, go to Pratt. Because the lettering book was is sort of everything. Uh, so I asked him, like, what is that book, man? And it's this one, uh, Lettering for Reproduction. And it was funny because the proto-kayfabe effect was when I came back from France. Yes. <laughs> and I went and got a copy for myself, and then I posted it. And said, "This is the uh, this is the book that Klaus said uh, his teacher at Pratt made that sort of changed his life and and uh, sort of um, you know helped him figure out lettering." And then the next week or two, I saw like a lot of people posting their copies of Lettering for Reproduction. That's when I bought mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shouts to Laura Park. Look at this shit, though, man. Like like putting in the uh, the technical stuff of shaving your pencil leads to create the chisel tips. Yeah, just so that you could get like these like even even lengths, even widths and stuff, and then you can go in and tighten them up and shit. You see him do that sometimes. Totally. And then the fact that um, now these look like they're on the board. Yes, this they do. This stuff looks like it's on the board, but some sometimes it's not, and sometimes his title lettering like i'm not sure if that i i see paste ups there yep that looks like paste up yeah so so the other thing for lettering for reproduction is it sort of lets you know that you can do it on a separate piece of paper you can you can draw the lettering on a piece of like very fine graph paper the thing is like anything that's for reproduction in black and white like that also applies to your line art mm -hmm. you know so there there's a lot of lesson in that book um the lettering of course very sexy part of it but not the only part if you're doing black and white reproduction everything in that book applies to to you know every aspect of this kind of original art another thing worth noting too like with the size of this original art is uh like i feel like i would have the tendency to go ham on on that uh -huh. shit dude you, you have this big canvas so now you're putting your nose two millimeters away from from, from the piece and then you're you're adding a, a ton of feathering and shading on their faces and putting in every background detail all the molding on the doors and stuff like that but he has that restraint 
to do to 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 not do that and to actually to cartoon you know like right. like he's not tracing photos like for his backgrounds or anything like that he, it's all the perfect like sort of suggestion of environment and all that's basically required for for the moment and it's just it's masterful cartooning it really is and and you know we're going to go through this book page by page and get into it but uh this is just kind of the start that's the groundwork for it um as we mentioned you know trade paperbacks exist to this uh hardcover editions several editions of, of this exist in collected form we're actually going to look at the original issues i thought that would be the easiest thing to flip through but did want to uh let everybody know if you haven't read ghost world like there are collected editions that are relatively convenient to go go get one of those yeah there was an interview he did uh a couple years back where um he was talking about the sort of disparity between the amount of people who saw the movie and the amount of books sold uh, it's not like he was complaining, but he did say that only 900,000 of them were in print at that moment. Uh, they probably tipped over to, to the million, to the, the platinum mark at yeah, this point. Yeah, it feels like it's been a few years. Yeah. I, I saw a number recently, and it was the number of Watchmen sold the year Watchmen the movie came out, and the number was 79,000, which I don't know whether that feels high or low. I mean, obviously, I'd be happy if Grand Design sells 79,000 of, of the collected editions, but... For Watchmen, you know, that was a giant movie, and it, it, I don't know, it felt a little bit low to me, sort of, but I just never know what book sales are, really, so it's neat anytime you actually see some figures. See, Gibbons was fascinating. <laughs> on, on the shoot interview, he, like, he said that like, it was it was a good good year, the year that came out with the, with the royalties and stuff. Well, 79000 on a on a, on a, I don't know, $30 book or so, yeah, that's <laughs> a good year. <laughs> when, when, when that came out and we were at this comic shops and stuff i was just shocked by the old heads that uh were buying watchmen for the first time people who i've seen in the shop yeah. for decades like what yeah it's it's, it's interesting because i always just think of that as selling all the time forever yeah but maybe in smaller numbers than i pictured yeah it's not a jd salinger so the first uh the first installment of ghost world you see they're not even on the cover yeah this, these are characters from the story but not the main characters and this is eight ball 11 so the interesting note for this issue is like a Velvet Glove had run through the first 10 issues. And once that ends, he's kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and you know, like I've read all those interviews with him because he was, once I got into it, I was really into it. And he kind of talked about how this issue is just this catch-all. It's just a bunch of different directions in Ghost World originally. Just going to be a, you know, it's just one more piece in this, in this issue. There was not a plan that this was going to be some graphic novel or go on for several several uh, issues off the bat man let's take a look at our eden heads right there sort of famously uh known for uh going back into the final book collection and adjusting a lot of the faces because these characters they they solidify into who they are after you draw them a couple dozen hundred times and you kind of codify the look so once uh he finished the book it's getting ready to be packaged for the final book collection he went through and uh, you could even find that on, you know, if we if we go to, you know, that page, you'll see the, the paste up of the uh, fresh Enid face. And, and that is throughout. <laughs> We're not going to point it out every time unless there's some like really crazy ones. I uh, think the color is interesting. Yeah, because, uh, you know, he would always talk in interviews about how this blue, he sort of saw it as like television light, yeah. you know, at night coming out of suburban windows or something. And I, I you, you'll see different shades of blue in the comic. And compared to the collection. So, you know, you wonder if that's one of those details that he sort of worked out a couple of chapters in. It's different kinds of paper, you know, so like uh, the, the color reacts differently to different kinds of paper and stuff. Love the way he draws TVs. The first thing we see, so Ghost World, uh, Enid and Rebecca, two teenage friends, 
they hang out. They kind of don't do a lot. You know, sometimes it's just hanging out in one of their bedrooms watching TV, commenting on the comedian that they're watching who's wearing Nikes, even though he's talking about being out of touch. And uh, it, it's a really interesting storytelling method in that each of these books, each installment, each chapter, it's kind of like hanging out. It doesn't have an overarching plot, even though there are sort of bigger pieces that, that you know, reveal themselves over time. But it really feels like, to me, what it was like hanging out with my buddies in high school we had no idea what we were doing there was no future planned it was just like bored it's let's let's try to entertain ourselves it's a it's a character study like in the, in the true sort of definition of 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 what that is and uh it is like you you are sort of aimless as a kid you don't have much power aimless or anything. is a good word for it so so you're just kind of uh you got to survive it till you can get to a point where you can make your own decisions uh, what we are seeing, what the book is, man, it, it's a, a friendship deteriorates. And it's one of those things like, you know, I had my high school best friends, my middle school best friends, and then you spend every day with them. And then there's just a point where there's the fork in the road and you go one direction, they go the other. And it's never an epic event or anything right. like that, man. It's just like you you have certain things that you want. You don't, you know how have the, the power to make decisions for your, yourself. They can make decisions for their themselves. You might deign to go go it together, but ultimately, you know, it's probably a bad idea, and 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 then you split off. Um, one of the things that is so crucial to talk about with Ghost World is that, uh, like at this point, Klaus is probably a little little younger than me while he's making this thing, and his observant eyes and ears for the dialogue and personalities of like 1990s youth is so spot on that I don't even understand it because like, I don't have no idea what teenagers are about right now. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what I like. I'm not observant to that at all. And I, and I have a little sister who just got out of, uh, yeah, you should, you should have been able to do a ghost world sequel, Ed, with, with a, with a, a teenage sister. Yeah. Um, Klaus would talk in interviews about, he had a neighbor that was a teenage girl, I guess at some point and, you know, drew inspiration from her and sort of the attitude that she, he would see them, the, the neighbor and then her neighbor's friends expressing. He also said that that it was uh, very much inspired by uh, art school girls that that mm -hmm. he was around at Pratt, who I can concur, can concur. Like, even if you go to like the indie comic shows and stuff like that, you got like foul mouthed Ray Ban wearing art art girls sure. who, who 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 say cunt and words like that these days. Yeah, I think if you see Art School Confidential, some of that bleeds through. You know, like there's elements from this that are inserted into that. Strathmore University, like that's the name of the art yeah. school. So Enid tells a story about, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting that this is the first story and there's no plan for this. Mm -hmm. Because the very first story is Enid telling a story where like she's off on her own. And it's kind of like, Rebecca, let me fill you in on what happened. And their favorite uh, little diner they're going to, John Ellis who's kind of a reoccurring character and does a zine of uh, not just outsider, but like really like trying to be subversive kind of material. Edge, edgelord there you is, go. is what we call it these days. And so the first, the first thing we see is this priest and some sort of like computer created child pornography, essentially, right. which is going to come back later when he goes on a talk show to talk about this stuff. But that's kind of that character. But the big point of this story is not this uh, this demented zine maker, but rather Satanists 
who come to this diner and look out of place and Enid is just infatuated with it, them. It's her it's her attraction to fr- fringe characters, there you, go. you know, like to, to like being an outsider down down to that comedian up front, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, this is the comedian I told you about. So let me tell you about some Satanists and let me tell you about, you know, a priest that makes CGI perv material. This is a, uh, a Don Knotts looking character that we'll see a, a little bit of. And I feel like this is what Steve Buscemi probably develops out of for the movie. It's a very different character, but I feel like that's probably the maybe the initial. A, a thousand percent. And when uh, Klaus was going to Pratt, Steve Buscemi was doing that kind of Shakespeare in the park stuff in, in New York City. So like... Klaus ran into him, mm-hmm. and I mean, he looks like <laughs> John Waters looks like yes. Klaus' characters. That's true. That's totally true. This is real funny because uh, Enid's telling this story as a flashback to Rebecca, and whenever the Don Knotts looking dude weighs in on something, Rebecca's like, "Wait, who said that?" So you get this interplay between like the present and the conversation they're having versus the flashback to uh, you know yesterday's adventures, and ending with. Uh, Mass murders received mail by the truckload, the television broadcast. That was the era, hard copy, a current affair. They called the magazine TV shows, and, and that was certainly the era. And they uh, usually wouldn't have uh, haircuts very dissimilar to that, man. How cool is like, the lighting, the ruby lith lighting? On Rebecca's face here, she's watching TV and it's kind of underlit. Yeah, it gets really subdued in the uh, yeah in the final form. It's redone on on that face. Yeah, yeah, the whole face might be redone. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And once again, we just won't point that out every time, but. And we're gonna see a lot of these throughout the story, like outside exterior shots looking through a window. Yeah. Sometimes to really great uh, great effect and. We'll keep uh, keep pointing this stuff out as we go along. A lot of people talk about like the, like the Love title showing off the covers. Oh, so good. Uh, the the title "Ghost World" implies like uh, the ghosts of your past, and we see a lot of that in almost every episode where there's like some piece from their childhood. This is the one, yeah. Like it's the perfect time to say it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Here's Enid at a yard sale selling old tchotchkes and things, and ultimately, uh, when push comes to shove. She's not getting rid of uh, some important totem of her childhood because it's some douchebag with right. uh, alt-right hair or whatever. <laughs> alt-right hair. It's funny. <laughs> I love this kind of stuff. Background of Rebecca clowning around. The interplay between the two characters is really fantastic in that way in that they go from serious to not serious in a panel. You know, it just feels very natural kind of the way everybody, well, the way Enid and Rebecca kind of interact and, and behave throughout. Uh, Bob Skeets is our is our uh, Don Knotts looking astrologer. A Watu the Watcher of Ghost World. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's a good a good comparison. Patty Duke album underneath the uh, the, the yard stuff junk. So they go back to their uh, their favorite diner hangout. Shades of every sitcom. I feel like sitcoms always have one set of like the restaurant they eat at fourteen times a, a week. All right. And uh, one of their classmates, Malura, shows up. This is where you start to get that sense of like the school we're, we're kind of out of school and we're starting to go in our different directions you know so you'll get little bump ins with uh reference to some of their school friends and what they're up to in this case she's uh doing a television commercial for a local political candidate yeah and she's so much like uh self-centered in the way like an act an actress or actor would be mm-hmm. so this makes me think that klaus is now in oakland <laughs> while he's making these things, man, because uh, you see that kind of vapid, like I'm going on auditions and self-important actor persons, even though, you know, that's not L.A., but 
close enough. Yes. One of the things that I did not realize when I first read Ghost World, there's no real uh, narration or captions or inner monologue. No. And uh, a lot of his work has that. So like his ability to like shut that off as a storytelling tool and be able to still be effective with just dialogue and what you see the characters doing is just an incredible high level of cartooning. I took it for granted because this is one of the first things I read of his. Yeah. But once I went back through his catalog reading more, it really stands out as even more impressive because it's like, that's a big tool to just take off the table. Yeah, like what 8-Ball was, as far as I can tell, is the 8-Ball comic book magazine is a series of exercises that Klaus is putting himself through, issue after issue after issue, just testing his chops, you know, like uh, there. this is this the spot color comic with no thought balloons or something, you know, and, and uh, what, what does Errol Morris say about style? Uh, you set yourself up with a bunch of rules, follow them slavishly. So when you have that in mind, now you got to stick to it. Now you got to communicate things with acting uh, and you it allows you to have moments like this. And, uh, that, I mean, that's, that's what 8-Ball is, you know? Like, there's the ones where he gets to play with uh, old-school color separations, and um, here's the gouache page and stuff like that. So, you know, he's always testing himself, always pushing himself. Very formal, like, this looks like comics, and the way Scott McCloud described uh, the comics of th this first-gen uh, Fantagraphics crew, he, he called them different by omission. So it's like still all the same tools. I mean, this is a Steve Ditko laid out totally. page right here. You know, like three tiers. You have some some nine panel, mm -hmm. some some uh, six panel uh, size panels. Uh, you still have the same dialogue bubbles, like all that stuff. It's different by omission in as much as this is subject matter that was not covered in comics. And I think that stuff like Ghost World has exact same function, as weird as this might sound, has exact same function as like something like as far out as like Zap Comics Zero, or like the most perverted of, of Zap Comics, where those guys, like the issues at hand in the 60s, were we are under the guise of this comics code, and we had a taste of what the world was like before the comics code. Now we have to push it a million times further mm -hmm. in order to just allow us to create a space for a Ghost World type comic. Now, Ghost World, this is coming out during speculator boom the the bubble is bursting like all of that kind of stuff rob liefeld image comics all of that so the function that this serves is like let's give a character piece with no epic moments per se just very honest very um right well i don't even know how, how you could but just like a you nice know, dramatic event i had uh cecil castellucci the writer of of uh, plain jane's the young adult book i did has talked about how like it, it, it's, this is not you're saving the world, but also like these are these moments that are huge to the characters. Yeah. They are like crisis moments, you know, like we see this chapter end with Enid running back after a day hanging out, running back and, and making sure that her tchotchke didn't get stolen or, you know, disappear from her yard cell that she abandoned and just relief that it's still there. You know, this this piece of her childhood, like you get a sense of sort of this emotional moment of like, this isn't right. Like, I gotta, I gotta go, you know? They're seeing their, they finally catch the commercial, their classmate on there. And I want to point out, like, there's really interesting details about food throughout this comic. Whether they're, what they order in the diners, if you want to split a pizza with me, and then they follow the Satanists to see what they have, and they have Lunchables. So, it's, it's weird little details, you know, that make it feel like real people. 
Yeah. It's it's that stuff like as kids, you, you, you have no life experience, man. You, you eat, sleep, do homework. This is a nice one. Um, it feels almost like uncoated paper, but I think it's just that he has found uh, this lighter blue kind of more in line with, with what I associate with Ghost World when I think of Ghost World. And uh, really cool lettering, you know, kind of that punk rock uh, ransom note style lettering. And we see something's happened to Enid's hair. What's yeah. she done? She's uh, she's dyed it green, which we don't see the green, but but Rebecca fills us in on that as she's like revisiting her punk era. Yeah. You even see like the, the jacket, right? The Ramones jacket there oh, yeah. coming on. So off they go, and uh, Rebecca's not, not too sure about this new look. Like, what is going on, Enid? Yeah, it's one of those things, like, going going through puberty, like, there are, like, the phases, right? And sometimes you want to be completely invisible, and maybe sometimes you want to attract some attention. So, so like, uh, Rebecca's making a decision. I mean, Enid is making a decision for both of them that people are going to be looking at us. And even to this day, man, I see, they're like, you know, I know some goth-type people. Uh who get mad that people are looking at them when, when they're out in the wild and it's like your eyes are pure white with no pupils like people gonna look at you yes yeah totally there's the tumor person that uh, Melora mentions in the previous That's right. in the previous episode and and that that was like that was a key kind of child moment too man because like I don't know about you but there were some deaths uh, mm -hmm. when, when I was in high school and and uh, the people who acted the most concerned were the people who made fun of those people, didn't give a fuck about those people, and showed up. And you get the sense that Melora is super self-centered, but almost, and you get this through text nowadays, man. Like there are people you only get texts when they have extremely bad news to share with you, and and that Melora character is that that kind of person. I, uh, like, can't my family is that kind of person. Me, me too, but I didn't want to put everybody <laughs> on blast. <laughs> I always uh, I always joke with my wife about how like in a weird way that that's the most excited I see my dad is when there's some kind of bad news to drop. I, I have a rule <laughs> when I go over there and I and I and I put that on my folks, man. You tell me one bad thing, you better tell me two nice things, man. That's or, else a good I, rule. or else or else that's I don't want to hear rule. it. I don't want to hear it. Um, they run into another one of their acquaintances who is now used to be a punk and a and a like kind of anarchist type guy. Now he's cleaned up, man. He's joining the business going to business school. He's going to uh Let's see, the phrase is, fuck shit up from the inside for 10 years and then retire at age 35. Jimmy, I said it on the previous chapter, but now I am solidifying my position. Dan Klaus is absolutely in Oakland at this point <laughs> while he's making this because that this is, this is your Berkeley Democrat right here, man. It's the guy who is rah, 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 uh, you know, what would it be now, man? Pronouns this and all that kind of gimmick. Uh, but when he gets out and enters the job force and all that stuff, becomes a rigid conservative. You know, like that is a stereotype of that region, man. By the way, his name, Johnny Ape Shit. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's so good, man. Like, it's, it's perfect. Like, I... These people, like I know these people. Look how great it is with his ruby lith, the blue, the blue color, going from like this is clearly daytime to nighttime. Yes, it's so it's so effective and it's such a simple tool in a lot of ways. Yeah. And there are little observations, you know, we can't point out like we're not reading this uh, word balloon by word balloon, but you see like just these conversations, right? Whether it's talking about the the lady with the big chest or the old people who are holding hands and, and grocery shopping, you know, it's like. They just ruminate on whatever they're observing around them. Yeah. And and really, 
you know, snapshot of a, of a period in time, man. Like the, these girls, you know, Rebecca, why do I keep calling her Rebecca? Enid specifically would be into zines and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, that one to me feels a little bit like Berkeley in that a zine shop Man, you're living in a good town if there's a zine shop. There used to be a zine shop in Bloomberg. You remember that? Like 10 years ago, there was a zine shop there for a little while. Bloomfield? Bloomfield, yeah, Bloomfield, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like that's a uh, that's a quite a luxury if you actually have a zine shop in your town. That's it's right, cool. that, that pop-up shop. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I had some stuff there. I forgot about that. Run into John Ellis there, of course, because John Ellis makes zines. So. But, but like the stuff, the stuff that they're making, it really is about like flaying human skin and, and you know how to where to find real snuff movies and yeah that's like that's that. what they're talking about there um walking down the street and there's a person just calling out uh what everybody looks like because they walk by like somebody in their apartment or whatever looking out the window on the spectrum just a just a weird little detail you know part of the ghost world this this is like uh klaus would say in interviews how after his comics start coming out after eight ball starts coming out and like when he's with Erica and stuff, that their friends start to be more cagey. Of course, around them <laughs> of and course stuff they are. <laughs> because they, you could clearly tell he's paying attention to everything, man. That's funny. And and like just having dinner with with them as a, as a as a couple, they're very observant. Yeah. Uh, prank phone calls. They're calling Bob Skeets now, the astrologer that she has the card, and leaving a leaving an obnoxious voicemail. And this is kind of neat. At Zine, at the Zine shop, there's an uh, there's a list of dates of upcoming things, author appearances. David Klaus is going to be there, yeah. a cartoonist that Enid knows for some reason. Somebody gave her some of his books, so she decides she's going to go see him. And uh, not a flattering self portrait. <laughs> yeah, she calls him a little perv and stuff. So but that doesn't go well. And again, you you get these moments of like, she just isn't. This isn't the person she she's been, you know. And, and she doesn't maybe know who she's going to be, but isn't happy with uh, kind of where she's at in life. I love this kind of stuff. Like the blacks, there's some really nice design moments throughout here. And I'll keep pointing them out whenever they pop up. But I just feel like that really creates an anchor on the page. It breaks things up. And it's it's almost abstract. Yeah, it's it's kind of an establishing shot. Like on, on, on this spread, it's it's establishing moments. You know, it's a it's now a new scene shift here. And then, you know, like, he frames it. By the way, we get Bob Skeets listening to his uh, the obnoxious voicemail message for one panel, looking sad, right. making fun of his toupee. <laughs> yeah, this is an era where you can make uh, pr prank phone calls, dude. Did did you did your parents ever splurge for the caller ID box for a hundred bucks a year? Eventually, we got caller ID, but I'm sure we were the last people in my town to get it. It was a big deal, man. And then you had to let the phone ring like five times before it would register. Yeah. And, uh, and finally, Enid is frustrated by the lack of boys in their life, even though I'm sure she would eviscerate any that, that did ask her out, and uh, ends with a, the, the sex fantasy as she's trying to drift off into sleep. Yeah, like her teacher or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I admire the, like, the drapery shadows on the uh, bedspread. You could do a whole zine of people like in their beds, like underneath the sheets, because so many people do it so great. I'll linger on that for a minute, let everybody zoom in on their screen and appreciate that. That's a Snapchat filter. Cartoonist Kayfabe is Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg, two working cartoonists. The best way to support Cartoonist Kayfabe is to buy the books that we make. And here's what's available from Ed Piscor. WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker, 
is about the history of computer hacking. X-Men, Grand Design, the, uh, the, the beginning of the Grand Design franchise starts with X-Men. This is a complete retelling of the history of X-Men. The first 30 years is one epic continuous story across three volumes or in one giant oversized volume if you can find that one. Uh, seems like it's constantly out of print, but a beautiful volume if you can find it. Hip-Hop Family Tree. This is a history of hip-hop. As the title suggests, four oversized volumes, treasury-sized editions, telling the history of hip-hop through comics. And your current book, Red Room, The Antisocial Network, available now in print wherever books are sold. This is a collection of the first season of Red Room Comics, collecting four issues, beautifully reproduced with some great bonus material here in the back of the book. And starting in March... The next season, Red Room Trigger Warnings will be coming to comic book stores. This is the cover to look for. And due to some uh, issues at the distribution level, this may be the rarest of Red Room comics. So look for this one in March. And here are the covers to keep your eyes peeled for. That's your main cover. This is a variant by Ed Piscor, a variant by Peach Momoko, and a variant by yours truly. These will be in comic shops March 9th. The books of mine that are available right now, The Plain Janes, the first American young adult graphic novel, 500 pages of a bunch of high school girls who get together and start doing art around their community, a la Banksy, and get in all sorts of trouble from uh, teachers to the local police and, of course, parents and some of their fellow students. Uh, 500 pages perfect for the young adult reader or young artist in your life. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive. This is my collection of Street Angel comics published by Image Comics. Eight complete full-color stories featuring The Deadliest Girl Alive, The Princess of Poverty, The Homeless Ninja on a Skateboard. And coming in March, Cartoonist Kayfabe Month, by the way, everyone, is my next project, Hulk Grand Design, with variant covers by Peach Momoko, Marcos Martin, Cartoonist Kayfabe's own Ed Piscor, and Hulk Grand Design Madness coming in April, covered by Jeff Darrow on that one. And you can see the main covers here in the background. This is a retelling of the history of the Incredible Hulk, 60, celebrating 60 years of Incredible Hulk history and comic books, 500 issues, 10,000 plus pages, distilled down into two oversized action-packed issues, perfect for the longtime Hulk fan or the first-time comics reader. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. How about that for your creepy cover? <laughs> Almost like anti-selling your comic. <laughs> like that's the one you're going to buy? Like challenging the readers. Totally. You got to really want it if you're coming this way. I felt that way with Pussy. Yeah. Like getting that big pussy on the masthead, man. Every now and then something pops out. I'm going I'm like to read that. that on the bus. So here's a change in this chapter. Four tier, four tier pages. Yeah. So a little bit more dense. And once again, they're off on their own adventures. And Enid's filling her in on how... She finally got to Adams, too. This is their friend Josh, mutual friend, who will play a bigger role as the story goes on. Very interesting here. Like, let's take a look at this panel compared to this panel. What happens with Ruby Lith when you're, mm. when you're holding on to it for a while? If you don't have it in, like, a perfect, like, temperature-controlled environment, the, the plastic, um, it, it, it can shrink. Yes. And uh, become sort of created an off-registry uh, with the, the, the final you know the final piece so here it is like a freshly printed minted version of ghost world but you can imagine that the collection comes a little bit later or perhaps the ruby lith just, just the plate just completely shifted you know just slipped uh in the printing process but but it is different uh in the collected version 
than what we see right here. It's a little bit to the left. It could be from the weathering issue. It can be just from a right. slipped piece of registry. What a nerdy channel we have, James. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I love talking Ruby Lith. I mean, hey, a kayfaber sent us a couple of sheets. That's I've true. never touched it until two weeks ago, so I'm pretty excited to, to, uh, to, to try to draw something with it. He hits all the fucking marks with these chicks, man. Like, these girls would go to sex shops. These girls would deign to buy a hearse. And she's just, like, yelling stuff out, pulling things off the shelves, and, and, and saying things loudly. And he's like, you're, be you're being loud. Come on. <laughs> He's so embarrassed by all of it. And it's all that same talk that has still kind of perme permeates culture. Uh, we literally have to buy this right now. She says that several times. Like, the word literally has changed, I believe, in the in the uh, Oxford English Dictionary. It means something different than what it used to. It means the opposite. It literally does. now has two definitions, and they are opposite one another. Yeah, dude. We, two We've plus, ruined that word. Two plus two is five. Just, just, just bullshit, man. <laughs> that would be worse than that. It would be the equivalent of plus being both plus or minus. Right. So two plus two could equal five or zero. <laughs> <laughs> this is Scott Steiner math promo now. <laughs> We're becoming codgers. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh, nevertheless, getting the recap of this story and the promise that she's going to wear it tomorrow. She'll show her what she got tomorrow. She'll wear it. And uh, you know that can't go well. But it does take a slight turn as uh, she tells a story about, I don't know if that's Melora or not, but one of their mutual friends that they run into, and she recounts her uh, loss of virginity story. Right. And this is done with no panel borders, which is kind of cool because some of it has panel borders. It's a flashback within a flashback yeah. or within a conversation. So, like, flashback on flashback. I always think of that great scene in Reservoir Dogs where uh, Tim Roth is trying to uh, explain his backstory, you know, some, some story about getting caught with drugs in the airport, and as the camera pans, he's now telling the airport police the story. Right. <laughs> That's such a trippy scene. This is... Um, this, this was poison to 1990s comics. This is so readable. There's something that Klaus... He's tapped into the pattern of language or something it, it's the stuff that that frankly that that poets mm -hmm. uh sort of have consider in the back of their mind in yes. terms of, of of patterns of word choice and syllables and stuff like that i'll give you another one ad copywriters sure sure but it just it's so, so beautiful and flowing like you never get hung up on any mm -hmm. of his, these sentences and you see a lot of text on these pages this is not ec comics right writing you know it's not clunky at all but you've seen people do this after this kind of stuff came out and uh even like a guy who would have done this earlier would have would have been crumb mm -hmm. and, and crumb, crumb crumb would have clunky moments and stuff um but the flow of this every word of this comic feels like he tested it himself uh several times over or something man because it just it all flows really naturally really beautifully and uh it is not like the voluminous text that you get in your other indie comics that that come after this you know as a short story i think about it in context of like two spreads ago they're in the adult shop yeah now we're hearing the sex story like thematically it's like this is a really satisfying short story like as a standalone chapter this is a really impressive piece of writing i think it's also a great piece of um sh like like show don't tell and the words that are associated with the image like aren't like 
it's not telling you what you're seeing. It's emotion, it's thoughts, it's smell, it's hearing, it's, it's, it's literally, it's internal dialogue that doesn't have much to do with the exact imagery that you're seeing. That's one of Klaus' strengths. Yeah. And I think it's really big in David Boring, the stories that'll follow uh, Ghost World. And it's, again, it's ad copy, you know, like you, 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 you need text that does not say what the picture is, but somehow changes the meaning of the picture. Every, every, uh, creative writing teacher says the same things, man. Like, I wish I had a rubber stamp that said, you know, show, don't tell to just fucking stamp on top of everybody's head. And we all fall victim to that, man. Like, like in a moment of laziness or something, like you're, you're just like, you're in a rhythm, but you're not considering the things that, the the way you probably should. We we have those moments. You can point to pages of mine where it's where it's show yeah, and tell, um, but it's something that you just gotta try to be mindful of. Speaking of showing, I love the whenever you get a quiet panel, yeah, or, or a wordless panel, and there'll be some interesting panels again that that show up where it's like there's no people in them or there are no words in them that really stand out and pop. And then, of course, your uh, your tag on the end the next day, Enid is indeed wearing what she got at Adam's 2, that, that kind of S&M mask. And Rebecca is just mortified to be out in public walking down the street with her wearing that mask. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. Like, Enid, it is, she's, once again, like, I know, the, I know these characters. Like, like she, she, has, she has a bust. She has a chest. She does everything she can, to, like, to, to hide it. Wears big clothes, baggy clothes. But she will do other attractive things like wear a mask or have green hair or something like that maybe to draw attention away from mm -hmm. from these new bits that she's developed or something like this but uh that but that that rings that rings true i've i've known those people this is an issue that i will point out to the uh the the viewers at home because we cover the title story here the cover story caricature in yeah. a previous episode and you know one of the the neat parts about this period of eight ball is i feel like this is Klaus leveling up both in his writing and drawing mm -hmm. throughout not just ghost world but the other stories too he's doing a lot of these short stories and it feels like he's really moving in interesting directions in terms of making comics ed kind of like what you said that nobody was doing comics like this and it's not just Ghost World. Nobody was doing Caricature either. Yes. You know, like he's really pushing uh, what what kind of stories he's telling. Jimmy, they were at the time when this comic was being reviewed. It wasn't being reviewed in in just like you know, Wiz Wizard. In fact, I don't think it was in Wizard Magazine whatsoever. It's in Vogue, The mm -hmm. Daily Telegraph, Time, Village Voice, Newsweek, The Onion, Washington Post. At a time when there was no dedicated like comic section, there was no Mike Kavna at the Washington Post who was dedicated to to putting the word out about comics this transcended and uh one of the kind of routine things that would be mentioned when ghost world was being talked about was the catcher in the rise is yes. the catcher in, of the right in in um the 1990s version you know like that's that's a big statement by the way i think that sells around 125,000 copies a year Circling back to what we were talking about earlier, yes. man. Because uh, you see those numbers and yeah. it's so rare to see them. And you think like a book that's in print all the time, like what does that actually do? And it's like, oh yeah, of course Jiggy Salinger never needed to leave his house again. Yeah. All right. So this time they're going to a, uh, a 50s style diner in a strip mall. And that just feels like this is just Klaus just firing, firing off like what he's looking around in his suburban apocalyptic landscape and criticizing because again reading interviews at the time with him that kind of strip mall forever 
that that was just on blast all the time and listen man like we've seen more than one tour of the clouds studio and he certainly had an affinity for 50s era pop culture stuff man so so he knows the real deal and our waiter here al they call weird al and uh really feel like teenage girls with their interaction yeah 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 flirty like uh, scary ob obnoxious like i would be scared if i was the middle-aged guy in that diner whenever they walked in no doubt especially in this era <laughs> you know at the very least they're making fun of you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he they retain him in the movie mm -hmm. you know uh, weird, weird al shows up in the flick they grab this uh free paper off of a nearby table and pretty soon start reading um uh, personal ads right. which is really bizarre like talk about a weird remnant of a different time period and not the 50s but like the 90s right absolutely and, and people people would would do this stuff man uh, you it was possible to like go into the personals of listen we're in Pittsburgh it's a town of 300,000 people when we were younger there was slightly more you could find stuff about you in the personals where people were like <laughs> like lost connections and stuff like that that happened it's so great and, and again as a writer gives Klaus a chance to shine as he's actually like writing some of these uh these personals right be the object of my desire marriage-minded professor swm 31 seeks perfect 10 18 to 24 i won't take no for an answer <laughs> <laughs> he, he read the game by neil strauss yeah that's some uh, that's some intense stuff uh nine panel grids you know you mentioned ditko type layouts earlier and we're seeing that again here yeah yeah absolutely uh i do i do want to make mention though of the uh the bearded windbreaker that they that they uh comment on several times <laughs> <laughs> yeah bearded windbreaker <laughs> what a loser <laughs> Oh, and so recounting a television show they saw where uh, this lady goes on a first date with this guy, and a week later he shows up with her tattoo on 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 his uh, on his chest, and she uh, kills him, and is now in prison. <laughs> Look at that! It's one fair. panel. I just <laughs> that whole thing is one panel in in this comic. <laughs> Amazing. So of course they have to uh, you know call this poor schlub, the bearded guy in the windbreaker, and set up a date at this diner that they of course are going to be at the diner waiting. Yes. It's so rude. This is one of those panels. The stillness, the graphic quality of just no characters. We've got a great word balloon. Joker, eat your heart out. But like the background details of the drapes just kind of hanging there lifelessly and a television antenna poking in. I love it. I think it's amazing. Yes. This is the panel I was talking about, dude. Where oh, yeah. I that, never even noticed those details. That has to be extra. Like, that is not Ruby Lith. It, it can't It can't be. I would be so shocked if he's cutting out and retaining, like, little thin pieces that way. I am curious, like, how he makes that. Because you could draw on Ruby Lith. You know, red is photographed like black. So, in theory, you could draw on it, except it's plastic. Yeah, like, what are you like going to draw straight, fine lines with? Yeah, no idea. Like, I, I, I can't imagine drawing on it. Because even, like, I've I've uh, done animation cells, and then you ink with Rapidograph on uh, on plastic. Um, you got to leave it alone for a long time. Like, it, like it's an issue. It's not, it's not easy. It's really great they have this, because it would be kind of funny if the window were just white and there was no sign of anything outside of the window. But I can't believe you even think of that whenever you're drawing it. In, uh, in the collection, I mean, you barely can see yeah, it. Yeah, right. I've never noticed it until, until just now. Yeah. And I've read this thing several times and never noticed it. So interesting detail and choice by uh, Klaus to put that in. And by the way, oh yeah, there's, there's one here too. By the way, like doing this thing where you're setting up this call and you're going to meet with uh, the guy, that is a very youthful thing. Where like you do something so haggard and 
fucked up, but you don't think about the consequences. Yes. Then when you go through it, you just feel bad. But you guys are in it together, and you don't want to be the wuss to like not do it or whatever. Yeah, it's a good uh, encapsulation of youth in that you're not thinking of the consequences. You're going to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody gets hurt. Constantly messing with each other. Enid ready to tell Weird Al that uh, Rebecca said she, she wanted to make love to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's in the movie also. I like, I like seeing like they've all ordered different food, and I think the food choices say something about the characters. Yeah. Again, kind of that minor detail, but it's what makes the Klaus comics work, is that attention to the, the minor details. And they we, add up. And we can make illusions, right? Like uh, onion rings, bad food, fried, salad. Of course, the girl's mindful of her health and mm -hmm. body. And then Joe Average is a hamburger, french fries kind of fella. The, uh, that looks like a more modern day uh, Bill Murray, by the way. Mm. A Wes Anderson version of Bill Murray. Yeah. It wouldn't be. And and this is, this is Steve Buscemi. This is, that's, that's how they connect with the character in in the flick yeah enid's body language just like hunched over like watching like that's him that's him i yeah. can't believe he showed up she, it looks like she just wants to crawl out of her skin they look so uncomfortable hunched over they're so tense looking that's amazing drawing absolutely and then the like yeah don't don't, don't let them see you looking but look yes and this <laughs> and this is the uh the final moment, like like the look would have happened right in between the gutter, mm -hmm. and you get the sense that their eyes would have locked at that moment. But this is like that's right so after. true. It's the overlook, like you're trying to be subtle, like look past it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that poor guy. He he knows what's up and gives them a pretty sneering face. There, they're speculating on what did he say, and uh, Josh, your your Joe Average is like it looked like very funny. Enid, of course, it was something fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Even that's pretty good since they're both like the same kind of mouth sounds to start with. Yeah. If you're reading lips, that, but, that would work. But then check this out, man. So like, so like they're paying the check, like they're at the counter, they're paying the bill. And through some sort of guilt, mm -hmm. Enid is just putting all her, all the money she has down on the table. Like it's just, just adding to the tip. Yeah. That wasn't as much fun as last time. <laughs> Now we're getting into the uh, this issue. <clears throat> All right, so here we go. Two different versions of Eight Ball number sixteen and uh, first let me, printings. Let me put on screen that they are both indeed first printings. November nineteen ninety five. First printing November nineteen ninety five. And why does that matter? Why am I saying that? Dun dun dun! <laughs> what is going on here? Two different versions of uh, the, the the color ink this time. Apparently. It was just, you know, experiment around, try this ink, and then realize, like, nope, that is not the look we want. We want blue. But uh, I figured we'll look at the yellow since a uh, little variety. Let's look at the mustard, man. I like seeing this stuff because, like, here we are several chapters into kind of Klaus, you know, masterpiece, right? This is his best-selling book, and yet he's still not sure. Like, it's still experimenting with what, what, what do we have here? How does this work? And, yeah, as you said... You know, the page that we're looking at here in the background is this title page. I love those profiles. Like, just such elegant drawing. Yes. Yeah, that that, that brush line. Unbelievable. And uh, another one of these local characters. This is Norman, who just kind of sits on this, this discontinued bus stop bench all the time. And uh, they take comfort in... They they've call him Norman, not because that's his name, but because some kid had written Norman in the wet sidewalk uh, nearby. Which Rebecca points out seems like something Enid would do. 
imagining this would be, uh, they see these two old ladies come in, look like friends. That's us in 20 years. Right. Which feels like um, that's a little bit older than 40. <laughs> See, that but that's be... a kid, right? Like any adult is like 40 is 100. Listen, man, that could be a 1990s 40. That could be. That could be. People looked older back then. Definitely. There's a lot of uh, little bits and talk between the girls, usually on their own, but where they, they voice, you know, how much they hate themselves or loathe themselves. And I think that informs things like Enid rolling through these different hairstyles. Sure. Melora's there and now she's taking classes and has like a theater group that she's bringing to the diner, which is going to show, uh, it's not gentrification, but there's something going on with the diner right. because as the stories continue, the diner's kind of getting overrun with these new clients, which again, it's that coming of age, like every, the world's changing around Enid and Rebecca. And that's one more way to visually show it. They catch up with Josh. Uh, shortly there uh, outside and kind of give him a hard time. I think they both crush on Josh. It's going to be sort of a, I don't know, something they compete over a little bit, have some secrets about. And we get to see Enid's home life. She lives with her dad, um, no mother in the picture. I don't know if her mother's deceased or, or what the story is, but her dad's been through several marriages. Of course, Enid doesn't, doesn't like any of the women. I thought this drawing's really great. The body language, the posture, and the weight of Vina just sitting on that beanbag with her legs out feels feels right. Sure. I admire whenever people can do that. The dad character is really good. He's different than than in the movie where he's like, "Why aren't you girls out stealing hubcaps?" Yeah, he's funny. He's, he's kind of, he's kind of got a hipness to him. It's it's kind of divorced from the aesthetic because he looks like a peckerwood, you know. But like that's kind of like a cool, you know. My 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 place is lousy with girl, girl children. Like that's that's kind of like a fun. Thing. That is, in my mind, that is totally Enid training him over ah. the years. <laughs> I think Enid would be a tough one. <laughs> a tough one to live with. Uh, trying to call Bob Skeets again for an astrology reading, and his, his number's no longer in service. This would be one of those panels where we're looking at these like twice-up pages that Klaus is drawing, where anybody else would over-render that a lot. Mm -hmm. But he gives you just just what you need, man. And talking about Josh, um, Rebecca says he hates me, loves you. And Enid says, no way. I'm like his little pal. I'm sure you're his total dream girl. Um, I guarantee he thinks about you when he jerks off way more than me. And Rebecca's like, I thought you said he didn't jerk off. You know, this is your Joe Average kind of boring type guy. But And they bump into woman Satanist yes. without the dude. What's going on over here a little bit that... He can stay there in Florida for all I care. So uh, trouble in, what's the opposite of paradise? <laughs> Portlandia. <laughs> Where, wherever Satanists live, uh, it's, not, it's not working well. And they sit on Norman's bench. Norman's gone. The bus line's reopened. Yes. There's a certain loneliness to that, too. You know, just everything is changing with them. And uh, they're holding hands there. Again, kind of this melancholy moment. And Rebecca's like, let, let go of my hand. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, uh, there's... One of the bifurcations is that Enid might be going to college. Like some of that might have been discussed already, yes. or it's going to be discussed further. Like the seeds are planted for a while, and then that becomes a big MacGuffin to just kind of help split them up. But you get the sense that Rebecca was looking for any reason to uh, to to you know sp split split the tandem. Yeah, and it's funny because Enid seems more clingy and needy, but. It's ultimately, it feels like she's the one who, 
who uh, if you're going to divide up who causes the split, I feel like Enid is much more of the like I'm leaving. Yeah. You know, even though her her action and behavior, it is like that little kid that's attached to something. What a beautiful like like the pages in this photo album to me just stunning. Yeah, and and we you know we could kind of take a look at at the page here because you see where the pencils where the pencils end and get that on yeah. the screen. Like you could see where like the pencils end and then you know Klaus will cut the right. ruby lith so that you don't need that holding line. You just have this line for the shadow. It's very it's very sharp illustration. You know what's funny? So if you look, this is a lot of uh, the ASMR here for, for people at home. You'll see these are registration marks that you put on paper if you're going to have multiple layers, yes. like a ruby lift overlay, for instance, so that it lines up correctly. So there's your, your registration mark. There's a few of those scattered around this massive original sheet. Right. There is none, uh, no registration mark on, on this page for Ve some reason. Very simply could have just fallen off. Yeah, I guess that's true. Although... You know, it's probably four of them that would have fallen off. Yeah. All right, so back back we go. They found this photo album they were looking for, and it's just a chance to, uh, again, dwell on the past and reminisce and see them as kids, uh, even whenever they didn't get along. There's, there's some reference to this is when you hated me. <laughs> and this sends them on a quest for nostalgia, looking for a record from Enid's uh, childhood. And this is that funny thing too, like especially as you and I get older, like when younger people talk about nostalgia for something that was like just six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't Josh live around here? So, all right, off we go to Josh. Josh lives on his own in an apartment. Makes me think that they might be like 19-ish or something. Yeah. I like how the different situations work for these characters. So Enid lives with her dad who certainly dotes all all over her you know like she lives in a house where whatever she wants she's getting yeah rebecca lives with her grandmother and it's a totally different relationship like i remember this was a book that we would talk about at conventions and stuff you know other nerdy comic book fan, fans and friends of mine and i always thought like rebecca got the shaft because her life kind of sucks you live with the a single grandparent like there's a lot you're not getting you know enid's dad sets up college exams for her this is not an option for Rebecca if she doesn't do it herself, and she didn't do it herself. Yeah, yeah, that's a, she's a it's a change of life baby type thing. Like she doesn't know, like, have that attention, that person who's like coddles her the way Enid does with her dad. Yeah, it's true, and 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 we'll see some excellent examples with with uh, Rebecca having conversations with her grandma, and her grandmother is from from the dialogue that you read probably shitting herself right at that yes. moment. Yeah, it feels like, you know, Rebecca probably has to take care of her grandmother, if not in this book, within a couple of years. The, the grandma's saying stuff like, I'd be so happy if you just stay with me forever. <laughs> they leave a, uh, a a note for Josh. You know, he wasn't there, and uh, they come over to have sex with him, and since he's not there, he's gay. Sincerely, Tiffany and Amber. <laughs> I've, that, that, once again, that ring, that ring's so true, man. I it's such ball-busting. There was this girl, this girl, this girl, Sherry, that, like, when she would put the moves on you in, in, in high school, middle school, like, if you would push, push away from that, like, she would just call you, she would, like, call you gay and be merciless about it for the year, man. Like, you're gay. Like, if you don't like me, you are obviously gay. Yeah, and uh, things are coming to a head in terms of the, of the college stuff. Rebecca's figuring out that that's what's happening. And uh, why didn't she, why didn't Nina tell her about it? And it's really causing a rift. 
By the way, it's more Enid eating fries while uh, Rebecca has uh, a sensible like wrap. Yeah. But but if it was see, this is how you can tell it's the '90s because you could tell if it was in a, in the aughts or 2012. That wrap probably has gluten in it. <laughs> yeah, it probably does. <laughs> I love this cut for drawing. Like these two are now fighting at this point. Uh, just full on, not getting along. And our next panel is the exterior shot with the the window pane in between them. Yeah, it's two different panels. It's, yeah. it's a it's a cut. It's a that's a classic film technique mm -hmm. actually, where you where that's you what just like. show the division. Totally. Again, some of the good body language. Enid just struggling at home, and uh, you know, here's where you see Rebecca's version of home life with her grandmother. You could smell that house. Yeah, the grandma house. I had friends who would, you know, like live with a grandparent, and it just, it just, it's tough. Like it just seems like that's, you know, you're really missing out. This is another body language thing that I think is phenomenal drawing. Enid folded up around her legs. Like I've seen people do that pose, and wow, it's spot on. Sure. Yeah. 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 Not the easiest figure to draw. And Enid feeling bad goes to visit Josh. Doesn't doesn't not consummate it. It looks like right. Yeah, little coitus interrupt this gimmick because he fucks it up. You know, like like uh, that's a classic thing too that like a young dude would do would like put all those cards on the table like at the first sign of the least bit of affection, put the cards all on the table and just turn that puss to the Sahara Desert. She's done going back home. Fuck this. Yeah, and some nice panels for that too. Again, spotting blacks. I love these kind of like angles of the door of the doorways and stuff framing her as she's coming home. Dad passed out on the couch. It all works. And he found the record that she was looking for, her dad. Once again, the doting uh father there giving her whatever she wants, finding this thing that she had been looking for throughout the uh throughout the issue. And of course, what does she do in the morning? Calls her best friend Rebecca. Right. And eight ball number 18, which uh, again, everybody at home, modern cartoonist, one of the things that we looked at on a recent video, go check that out. Talk about an incredible issue, but the last of the comic book sized issues of eight ball right here. Yeah, those David Boring ones come out whenever I go to the Qbert school. Yeah, the oversized, that's what was being published whenever I got into, into eight ball. Like when I started buying them, I think maybe two parts of David Boring were out, at least one part. And uh, yeah, just bought whatever I could find, piece it together. But um, so a big installment here for our final chapter of Ghost World and uh, final comic book size eight ball. And you see them kind of getting along, I suppose. Hmm. It certainly feels like the relationship is changing and evolving. Get a, uh, a visit by John Ellis, who that priest character from the beginning well it turns che out that Chekhov's pedophile priest. yes yeah the, <laughs> you, the, you don't uh, have to do some in act one if you don't pay off in the, the final the safe computer art doesn't work for that guy <laughs> so right. he's been busted with uh with real problems and ellis is going on television to defend him yes it's so funny him on television he has a pseudonym uh chuck child molester's friend <laughs> <laughs> this is dude this was <laughs> You know, we're coming off the heels of the talk show era where there's about five or six on in a day. If you stay home from school, you're either watching yes. like Psychic Friends Network or you're watching one of the very many talk shows that are on. And they would be salacious like this. Do you, oh, do you totally. remember there was, that, there was that episode of Jenny Jones where, where uh, it was, they were basically like outing 
gay like Jeez. like gay dudes were outing themselves professing their love to like these straight guys and and uh the the one guy I bet that went well well it did end at a death and jenny jones was sued and like all that kind of stuff man Wait, that's so much worse than i expected yeah. i was picturing just you know some punches thrown on tv and feelings hurt but yeah of course murder yes jeez Wow. Yeah, it was a time for that. You know, the Jerry Springer's rising up. I think of Hardy Fisher on Sally Jesse Raphael. Right. <laughs> like, salacious is, uh, is the right word. So, again, kind of finger on the pulse, I suppose. But they're hanging out with Josh, and it's perfect for, like, there's a love triangle here. There's, there's one wheel to a third wheel. It's Archie, Betty, and Veronica. It is. Yeah, it is. And uh, continuing Enid's development... If she's going to go to school 2,000 miles away, she's uh, she's got to learn to drive. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, she, well, we'll get there. How great is this for one of those panels with no characters in? Because Split, a bullying scene. Also, uh, that's their friendship. Right. You know, that's, that's the end of it. And uh, a not subtle panel to show us that. I love it, though. I love this kind of use of panels and, and different images. And just as a graphic, it looks really good. Three-day driving school. I feel like we have too many drivers that went through the three-day driving school. <laughs> All right, man. Cutting back to uh, Josh now. There's some there's some talk here too about like maybe Rebecca's gonna just come with her, you know, to college, and uh, Rebecca will live there and get a job or something. And Enid's pretty cold on that. If you want to go with uh, more onomatopoeias, like maybe the strike has something to do with what was just said there to there, and then bam, 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 bam. That's kind of sexual connotation you know a rhythmic bam 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 flip the page and then we got some some gimmicks about to go down yeah even drawing strings there around his waist just drawing a lot of attention it, it's exactly it's it's that class it, dude it's it's scott mcleod like if you want somebody to linger or a focal point to go somewhere like like in manga you draw the entire all the filigree on a sword hilt or something there it is right there on the cod piece right yes your, your eyeballs are going there decades before Steranko's drawing a uh, a holster yeah, slung yeah. over the over the chair and it's the first time where like you know she's she's got no bra on like you see some hint of nipple like like Klaus never never went there at all uh, in this comic. Yeah. Um, and Rebecca and Enid now buying a hearse to drive to school with, <laughs> yeah. and but also maintaining her like got to be different. It got to be different. Got to be um, just just not easy. Like this hearse, it's it's a it's a bucket of bolts. It's gonna break down a million times. It has so much upkeep. It's way more than just aesthetics. Very impractical. It's super impractical. Like, you're, you're, you're toast in this thing. And her dad is explaining, uh, he's seeing one of his, his ex-wives. And uh, this is not, doesn't sit well with Enid. Right. Man, I know people like this. One of my, my good friends in school growing up, it was a dude, but had a single mom and, and sort of had this relationship with her. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's got to be She was not going to date somebody uh, w with his approval. Oh, yeah, listen, listen, man, I, I probably would have been the same way. And, and uh, this is like, there's a lot to this, man, because it's dad doing a lot of the legwork to get this girl all these uh, opportunities. He wants her out, man, because he wants to sow some oats. You know what I mean? Like he's it, he wants her out is is well, probably more than anybody. Yeah, this is great. Rebecca walking down the street with Josh. It's the two people walking down the sidewalk that we've seen all through Ghost World, except one of them isn't Enid. Right. It's such a good story for that. It's coming of age. It's the stuff that I found like when I, I read Chester Brown's "I Never Liked You" and was like, 
wow, that feels real. Yeah. This has that quality. A couple years older characters, but the same kind of deal of like, it just rings true. This is exactly, everybody has gone through this. Sure. And this is where you get a bunch of Rebecca and her home life with their grandmother. And you kind of see like, it, it just sucks. You yeah. Know? It's just yeah. not, it's not, you're missing a lot if, yeah. that's, if you don't have your parents there. Yeah. Gra grandma, grandma doesn't, she isn't, she isn't hip, but, but also like if, the, if, if there's just too big of an age gap and your parents are old, cause, cause like my, my, that, that my kid's sister has a different, sure. Like adolescence than, than we did when my dad was 40 and you know, my sister's dad is 70. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend like that too, you know, with, with, with the very, uh, aged parent and it is different. It's, it's kind of more mellow, like as a visitor, as a friend of sure. the family, it works out okay. But uh, it's definitely a different dynamic. And by the way, she gets to be the favorite of everybody, like all siblings and both parents. So she can't complain too much. Yeah, yeah, she's doing all right, your sister. Yeah. Uh, Ina taking the college exam and then coming home to see her dad uh, on this drinking wine with his ex-wife who uh, says she's happy to see Enid because, you know, she had a hand in her upbringing. I know. <laughs> like, you see these, uh, these like, moments where it's just, like, it's it's one panel in the middle buttressed by two other scenes. Like, that's kind of ballsy cartooning. You don't see that often. It's really well done. It feels um, like it's a way to pack in more story exactly. because storytelling in comics, typically, if you just had, like, here's your page of text... It's longer. Comics storytelling is typically longer. This is a, a way to get over that, is to be able to have one panel that is a complete scene in itself. Exactly, exactly. Because, like, what, what would most comics be? Like, it would... One page would be this this whole moment. Yeah, it'd be coming there, it'd be taking the test, it'd be leaving, you know, with a dejected look on your face. One of the rules, man, like, if you can take it out, take it out. Yeah, yeah. That creates the tightness of a, a, a good piece of work. So they're, they're doing a test run to go to Cave Town, USA, some attraction that Enid remembers from her childhood. Whenever I got out of college, I was driving around uh, the country like for a month and found these Flintstone parks. Yes. I think there were a couple of them like in South Dakota and like New Mexico or somewhere. And this is what they were like. There was like one employee at that point. They were just sun bleached to like, you know, <laughs> everything was just this faded gray light color. And it was, it was, you, you couldn't believe it existed. There was nothing around as far as you could see in any direction. It was just like almost an empty amusement park they, of, of plaster dinosaurs. That's amazing. Like they tried to create some attraction. There was some, there was some plan there. Like we have, we have a joint, uh, Geneva on the Lake, Ohio mm -hmm. is a place where Pittsburgh people w would go if they can't go to Rehoboth beach or something. <laughs> And you could tell that, like, in the 50s, there was a plan. Yes. And that plan did not come to fruition. So all the structures are still the same. Those three families that own the joint just aren't going to put any more money right. into it. Not only that, probably one or two of the ones that really cared have died, and now you've got kids fighting over it. Absolutely. to just see paychecks. And... But you go there, Jimmy, and you go into the arcade. And there are machines where you put a dime in wow. and you put your eye into the thing <laughs> and see, like, a little flashing Betty Page or something or the whole building that's that game fascination you know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. with the balls yep. like that's there and there are old people there that go to play fascination wow uh there are claw machines that, that are out there and they do have make america great again hats that you can get out of the claw <laughs> machine so that's also a little bit of the culture of the joint that's funny <laughs> it's such a it's such a distinct feeling like uh and and she talks about it like a semi-religious experience you know going through this nostalgic you know seeing these things that have lived in your brain for 15 years and then 
aren't quite what what's in your brain. Right. It's pretty good. But they have good moments here, you know, like like these road trips are pretty great. It reminds me of going to comic book shows or something, you know, like like when you're with somebody for a couple of days, like it change, you know, you, you get a full cycle of like ups and downs and all of this. So I love the out the window detail, like the motel sign. Absolutely. A lot of detail there. There's a lot of bipolarity in the conversation here, man, where it's like, maybe I'll come with you. Maybe I won't. Probably every other panel, it oscillates. It man. does. And I think I'm going to come with you. Eh, maybe I won't. Oh, maybe I will. And then we could do this. So it's it's literally bipolar. It's like, I'm all in, or I want to go home. Yeah, let me read a couple, because it's, it's pretty good. This is Rebecca saying, it's kind of sick to follow you like that, talking about going to college with her. And Enid responds, yeah, I don't exactly know what to think about it. It all seems kind of unhealthy. And same panel. Rebecca again, God, it's really pretty sad when you think about it. it, it it's, it's incredible. Like, they're somewhat self-aware you know they're trying to make these plans but and then there's you know but in a way i don't see anything wrong with us staying together right you know maybe we, i really am a lesbo yeah that's something that has come up a couple of times in the story uh very you know kind of tongue-in-cheek sure and, and and that would be that would be like high school conversation when you see two female best friends like like uh, the those girls would often get that put put on them. right yeah yeah, and that, that would oscillate between clearly joking and, and just mean remarks from uh, fellow classmates, right? Depending on what everybody's relationship is. Scissors get mentioned. <laughs> we go back to making fun of the TV personalities, right? This is your local anchor, and it's like, do you think he uh, works at a hardware store during the day? <laughs> Jimmy, going, go, going back to uh, co comic conventions and, and traveling with you and stuff, the TV almost never goes on in the hotel room. Almost never. You're, you're, you're talking comics. There's business at hand. But sometimes in, uh, you know, mid the middle pieces of America, I mean, you kick that TV on, you see a news broadcast, you might not want 4K. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we've kind of gone past that. But like when cable networks became thing, a thing in the 80s, like every town would have like their little television station, sure. you know, like like not a big town. And they would have their news station with their local broadcasters on there. Talk about something that didn't age well, didn't survive very long, but there's some funny shit like that. And a lot of that footage is just gone, whether they were destroyed or taped over, but uh, yeah, you can usually, still find some of it. Yeah, it's usually videotaped. That's where Pittsburgh Studio Wrestling would be involved. And, and the main host of Pittsburgh Studio Wrestling is is Bill Cardill, the, the Channel 10 weatherman, who was also Chili Billy Cardilly, the horror host yes. of Channel 10. So he's the horror host. He's the wrestling announcer, and he's your weatherman. Yeah, he, he's on he's on the uh, local local station uh, salary. Right. <laughs> yeah, that guy's putting in like the forty hour week as a as a television oh, personality. You ain't skating by with five minutes uh, telling us the weather, man. No, that's that's so funny because that is that personality of like you're there. If something pops up and it needs recorded, here I am, ready yeah. to go. Let me get makeup. <laughs> This sums up a lot of stuff I've seen Klaus talk about in interviews, this idea. So Enid just wants to leave. She, she, her fantasy is to become a totally different person. And I can identify with that. That's how I felt. Like when I got out of high school, it was like, I am done in this town. I'm done with all these people that I was trapped with for 12 years. And I feel that with, uh, with Enid's statement. And Rebecca's like, I don't get what that has to do with me. And I've heard Klaus talk about this, like, you know, like twins are great because it's your best friend. They know everything about you, which also makes them the biggest threat to you and your worst enemy. And that's what you have here. Sure. I can't be a different person if the person that knows everything about me is next, standing next to me. Again, with the 
the quiet moments a couple of these wordless panels next to each other where uh, she didn't pass the test she did not get accepted to that college now what and and it's so tastefully done it, 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 there's um there's like the Aaron Sorkin masterclass that, that that I love a lot and he talks about the scene of a t- on a TV show where they're going up to the courtroom and he talks about things ringing false like you you're watching a a scene like that and the lawyers bring in the defendant into the courtroom and right outside of the courtroom the lawyers going now what's going to happen is this 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 and then you know you're going to be asked this and then this is going to happen and he and he goes it's, it feels like a pebble in your shoe. You don't know what's wrong about it, but you know something's wrong. And what's wrong about that scene, because he talks about being a dia- diagnostician, you got to diagnose the, 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 the yeah. scenes to, to figure out like what's wrong to become a better writer. And what would happen in real life in that moment is that the lawyer would have told you that well before two seconds uh, yes. before going into the courtroom. So what the guy would say in real life would be, just play it cool. Just play it cool. And that's what we have here. Like we have the moment of reckoning, the pregnant pause. I told you I wouldn't get in. That gives you everything you need to know. Yeah, it's great. And by the way, on page design, right in the middle of the page. Yeah. This page completely changes if you move that panel one to the left or one to the right. And because this is cartoonist kayfabe and we do get into some minutiae, there is white media. Up there. I was just uh, looking at that. It's interesting because you have a spotlight effect on the previous panel, but it's handled with feathering. And then you have the spotlight effect here, and it's very uh, R. Crumb. It is. Like the, uh, the mark making there. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just for variety or if there's something more in mind. I would think the feathering would have created about the same effect. He so. even gets a little bit of a dry brush mm-hmm. on the on the tree texture there. Yeah, again, a, uh, a sign of the changing, you know, the time passing. Yeah. Like, we're getting into fall, and that's such a good one, like... Whenever you get out of school, finally, and then you get your first fall where you're not in school, that's a weird feeling. Yes, yes, yes. Dude, it took me 10 years, like exactly 10 years uh, to not have that back to school feeling in August. Mm-hmm. Like when it's when it's that time when, when like the fall is coming and stuff, it took literally 10 years for me to not feel that kind of foo-foo. It's a, it's, this is, a, you know, we talk about clouds in Berkeley. This is clouds in Chicago. <laughs> because that's a changing season you know right. like i don't know that you're getting that effect that that kind of drama you might get a little bit in california but like i mean here it is a different world in the fall yeah. it smells different it feels different it's it's totally different lighting is is dramatically changed you see the hearst is now for sale because she's not driving it to uh, uh wherever she was going to college where was she going to college strathmore, strathmore. university the same place from art school confidential you see the old lady is like fuck i gotta endure this little bitch I can't just have my man all to myself. This right. this this stallion, this stud. <laughs> also, not thrilled that there's a hearse parked in their in their driveway. <laughs> is that is that is that what it is? It's not it's not too disparate scenes. I don't know because I don't because I don't see them established. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I think there's probably a lot she doesn't love about Enid. Yeah, <laughs> being around. She was looking forward to freaking sixty nine and all over every room in that oh, house. Geez. And and now they could just uh, it's relegated to the bedroom, unfortunately. <laughs> I think you can uh, you can see some time passing too in Enid's hair. She she comes to visit Rebecca at work at this donut shop. You know, it feels like Rebecca's kind of settled into whatever the next stage of her life is. Yeah. And uh, they've grown distant. You know, like Josh shows up. One more sign of like, oh okay. They're and together. She has a new partner. Yeah, they're together. Like it's it's established. There's Enid right there. Like isn't even getting any real FaceTime. Like that does he doesn't even talk to her really. No. He, you know, he says what's up. But then all conversation goes to Rebecca 
Yeah, it's a very different relationship. Call me sometime. This feels so true for those. Uh, well, you just know it's so half-hearted. Yeah, it's it's you bumped into this dude you haven't seen in ten years, and and you guys act nice. And Nobody's you, calling and, and anybody. And you both know that you're just gonna go your separate ways, and then the next time you talk to your homie, you're like, yo, I saw so and so. That dude's hairline is pushed back a little bit. <laughs> right. And uh, Enid, by her, alone with her thoughts at the beach, you see the leaves blowing in the wind, and guess who she runs into? Bob Skeets. Yeah. That's kind of nice. She thought he might have been dead uh, with the phone cut off. Turns out he isn't, so tries to get a little bit of what, what her future is. By the way, he's metal detecting. So, so like, you know, he, he was like some kind of psychic or something. He's a real gypsy kind of character, man. Like, he was some kind of uh, wizard to begin. Now he's metal detecting, looking for treasures on the beach this is amazing the the astrological reading that he does you know impromptu there it's gibberish yeah it is completely meaningless and she's like what does it all mean and he's like i told you it's just an introductory session <laughs> to get any real data we're going to have to do a full rundown yeah of course man and, <laughs> and that's it's how such that a scam goes. there there are, there are books you can read on that kind of stuff called cold reading and when you're in when you're with a person, you start to say things, and if you you you'll their heads will naturally move a certain way, or you'll be able to de detect body language, and based on that body language, you continue going down that rabbit hole, or or you change the trajectory. You get yes, yes, uh, yes, no's, uh, maybe means yes, so you keep going down. Like there's like all this right. crazy stuff. Yeah, talk about like how to read people. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. So Enid wandering around and and sees like a guy painting these ghost world signs. And this is like the next generation of ghost world girls. You know That's what I mean? Funny. It's just it's like in perpetuity. Of course. You're gonna have like continuing generations of future tandems. And and, and serves to uh emphasize that she's by herself. Sure. Sure. It's real interesting, like uh like in like in comics, you have your 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 Hopi Maggie Dash Shaw has his cosplayers. You know, you have your Ghost World. There, there's a, it's a, it's an interesting exercise for cartoonists to kind of have their female tandem and 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 practice that. You know, like write like push your writing chops a little bit into characters that clearly are not you. It, yeah, I mean that's one of my big takeaways of this story. Is it just feels like Klaus levels up a couple of times in writing and art throughout this story and i don't know how conscious it was of like this is a get outside your comfort zone or whatever but he really does and and like this to me is as big it's like as important as like uh the the, the uh, class is gonna be like you fucking idiot uh, as like the the ozymandias oh i did it a half hour ago thing <laughs> 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 because uh this is the most honest mature thoughtful true thing that she said in the whole comic all the other stuff is posturing um kayfabe putting on airs trying to be somebody like too too self-aware too too conscious of of her movements and stuff and this is like her true thought right there saying you know more mature rebecca catching a glimpse rebecca with glasses yeah. to again doing the uh subtle things to show the passage of time and the aging i love the silhouette just from a graphic standpoint of the bus stops and enid and silhouette in front of it really it, it's great stuff i feel like that's a fantastic way to end this visually yeah 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 and and it's so just just like 
as the person that I am, like, when I read this the first time, the, the ending perplexed me and stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, is that, is this really all, like, like, isn't there more that could have been done? Uh, but I was coming from a place of traditional comics that required bombast or something like this. Uh, upon this reading, perfect ending. Yeah, she lays out this fantasy, this idea of, like, she's just going to get on the bus and leave one day and nobody will know and she'll be all new somewhere. Uh, and, you know, she gets she gets that. It's kind of a happy ending in a way, even though these two are just going completely... They're, they're done with each other. Right. But it doesn't mean that's bad. Yeah, I mean, she's going to be fine. Yeah. It's a great, it's an incredible story. Um, Black Nylon, the other piece in here. Man, I think about like Steve Ditko. Oh yeah. Whenever uh, whenever I read this. Might be one that we re revisit at some point, a little superhero story. Proto-Death Ray. Uh, yeah, it really is. But Ghost World, man, just incredible. You know, like that's the thing I found whenever I was really starting to look at alternative comics and it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the first places that, that I would have heard about it really would have been wizard magazine and there were talks of the movie pretty early and stuff and and you know I, like that collection that you have with the cover like that's the image that i would have seen and and as a comics fan like you understand like the little mask like the little mask gets you in the door you know that's that's the that's the bridge that's the cro-magnum stage man to like get you from superhero comics over to <laughs> it's indie. just enough is the enid like mask like oh yeah cool man that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, you need something you need how something many, how many uh, mainstream comics readers did he suck in with that and we're pissed <laughs> it's great um hey one thing that i thought we would add here at the end before we wrap this up is uh if you enjoy this video some other stuff too that i would recommend on our channel the modern cartoonist video i think is a really strong one you might want to look into we look at this artist edition yes. in one of our videos. So if you want to look at more Dan Clow's work up close, uh, you know, we've got some options for that. So give those a look. We have a search field that is associated with the channel. You know, you click the little uh, magnifying glass, you type in Klaus, uh, you're going to get five, ten videos pop up and any of them are, are, are worth checking out, man. Uh, good, good um, samples of uh of this guy's work one of the best uh working cartoonists that we have here today in america yeah i'm good if you are jimmy i am k favors like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available what's out there jimmy hulk grand design is coming to comic shops in march tell your local comic shop you want a copy tell them to pre-order reserve it there are four covers to choose from pick all of them you'll be delighted uh, you can also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can download out of print zines and minis and you can see a lot of how I make the comics I make, original art, scripts, all of that good stuff. Uh, Red Room trigger warnings from Fantagraphics, the publisher of Ghost World and 8-Ball. Can't disable the power of the label, Jimmy. Uh, trigger warnings is coming out in March. It's going to be coming out on a monthly basis. Every single uh, issue is completely self-contained. Uh, we're wrapping that up in a bun. Uh, it's super cool. And I'm serializing those comics on my Patreon uh, as we speak. So you can read these comics before they hit paper. Three bucks for the archive. Uh, you can get to the links for our pre-orders and our Patreons at our link trees in the description below this video. What else do we have out there, Jim? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Given those margin orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.